Hey everybody, welcome to the You Were Born for This podcast with Father John Ricardo. That's me, I'm Father John. I am the Executive Director at Acts 29, where we talk about anything and everything having to do with transformation in the church. I'm here with my dear sister, co-missionary partner in agent of sabotage, Mary Guilfoyle. How you doing, sister? I'm doing good, Father. How about you? Well, I'm on steroids, mm-hmm. so I'm um, hyper. Yes. So, so picture the scene. So, you know, Father John has this intense passion, this extraordinary zeal. You add a layer of steroids on top of that. We're having a hard time keeping up, Father, but we thank God that you are getting strong again and healthy. So, yeah, I am too. Uh, thanks for everybody's prayers. And uh, yeah, pray now that I, I, I don't bounce off the walls. Praying so. that I can keep up with you today. Yeah. So, uh, we have a great, uh, I, th- I think, very edifying, inspiring, and true topic today. We do. So uh, the title for today's conversation is um, Those Who Are With Us Are More Than Against Us. Ooh, that sounds timely because I don't know about you, but I often feel like I think I'm just vastly outnumbered by people in the world in which I'm living right now. Don't you feel like a minority oftentimes? uh, A minority, marginalized, kind of out there on the fringes, Uh, but that's just not true. Yeah, so if anybody at all feels that way, (laughs) uh, which I'm sure is many of us, uh, please God, what we're about to talk about uh, will be uh, hopeful and inspiring and encouraging, and and especially because it's true. So let's pray, shall we? In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we just uh, surrender this time to you right now. We pray that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight that this conversation would be uplifting and inspiring and encouraging for those who most need it. Lord, we ask in a special way through the intercession of Our Lady that you would continue to open our spiritual eyes, that we might see those things which we so easily miss because we're caught up uh, in the visible. Father, we thank you for the gift and the reality that is the communion of saints for all those who are even now at this very moment for us by name, pleading, interceding, and cheering us on. May those prayers and above all the the merits of your son's passion, death, and resurrection help us to become great ourselves and to live this day with hope and encouragement. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Father John, why don't you just kind of open us up and tell us about how this this whole topic came to mind for you? Yeah. Well, so we're in, we're halfway through the month of October right now, and uh, so September ended and October began with uh, the feast of the archangels as well as the guardian angels, and perhaps in a way that, I mean, I always try to think about the angels, especially on their feasts, but I was I was especially convicted on the Feast of the Guardian Angels that I really take my guardian angel for granted. Mm. You know, so Jesus says in the scriptures, you know, he he gives this warning to those who would scandalize little ones, which is not just children. It's it's all of us. We're all little ones in comparison to God, right? Because he says um, their guardian angels, their angels are constantly beholding uh, my heavenly father's face. And so that's the foundation for our, our guardian angel, right? And uh, there's a, a great reading in the Office of Readings that day uh, with regards to our guardian angels. And it just was very convicting. Like, I don't think 
I know, forget I don't think, I know I don't spend anywhere near enough time on a regular daily basis just like thinking about asking for the intercession of this majestic spiritual being to whom God has assigned me. Yeah. Just you to know? you. Yeah, and just like you and have one, everybody has one, right? Like there's there's at least twice as many persons in this room right now as you and I are recording I know you often, than we can see. You often say that. And you know, when you are when you are talking about um not giving uh, enough thought to the majestic nature of these beings that are interceding for us and protecting us. Um, I think sometimes my default has been um, just to simply pray the angel of, you know, our guardian angel prayer. I learned it as a child. Many of us have learned it as a child, but it can become somewhat of a rote prayer without giving thought like, oh my gosh, if I just sat with the reality that I have an angel that's been assigned to me and all that this angel has protected me from and what that activity must look like, it kind of stops you dead in your tracks. You go, oh my gosh. Yeah, and I think because so many of us learn that prayer when we're children, we have this kind of infantile, um, uh, somewhat goofy image of the angels. You know, like maybe we see them like the... uh, you know, I think it's Raphael's painting of, uh, you know, they're kind of fat little cherubs. The angels are not fat little cherubs. These no, things are, are mighty. Un- like when everybody sees an angel in the Bible, with the exception of Our Lady, the response is terror, right? Yeah, so I, I just want to share something with you. I um, I pulled off my shelf, uh, my bookshelf at home, um, one of Peter Kreft's most recent books. I think it came out in 2018. It's called, um, the title is uh, Doors and the Walls of the World. Ooh, love it. That's oh, very much title. the theme. Yeah, uh, Signs of Transcendence in the Human Story. And this is what he says about um, the second category of friends, uh, which are the angels. And he talks about how they surround us, they vastly outnumber us, and greatly but not infinitely surpass us in intelligence, goodwill, and power. And to your point, I mean, it it can be perceived that prayer is a childlike prayer, but we don't necessarily have to pray with the mindset now of a child. Like they are massive, mighty friends. Yeah, that's right. And that's the point of all this, right? It's just, is to be, uh, kind of have our eyes opened to the reality of the invisible spiritual world, which is a more real world than the one that we can see, uh, as a friend of ours often says. So, you know, so that's how this began. And then, of course, surrounding and all around the feast of the archangels and the guardian angels are are the feasts of, you know, great heroes in the church, like Therese, to whom uh, I know you have such a strong devotion, as do I, St. Francis. I mean, they're, they're a couple of days within each other. And I think oftentimes some of our uh, our non-Catholic Christian brothers and sisters, they misunderstand uh, how we as Catholics relate to the saints. Um, maybe they think sometimes we're like skipping God and going to them. But uh, the the simplest way for me to understand this is, well, they're not dead, right? They're they're alive. In fact, they're more alive than we are right now, and. In heaven, they keep the great commandment. The great commandment is to love God and to love their neighbor. Well, they don't need to, you know, do anything particularly special for those who are in heaven because they're doing just fine. Thank you very much. The the people that they're loving the most are us. And so just like I, you know, if if you were to come to me and say, hey, Father, uh, would you mind praying for me today? I've got a, a particular thing going on. My charitable response wouldn't be, 
No, why would you ask me to pray for you? Just go to God. Of course I'd pray for you, right? Because that's what love does. Mm -hmm. And in a similar way, we ask those who are perfected now with the Lord, who have run the race um, to do the same thing, to to help us if they can, whether that's to pray for us or, or to do something else. So because death has been destroyed by Jesus's resurrection, the friendship that we share with the angels with the saints, both the known and the unknown saints, right, um, is very real. And so this this led me, as I was praying uh, with all these realities, I felt like the Lord just took me to this really powerful passage in the second book of Kings. It's in chapter 6, and it's um, starting around verse 8 or so. And so Elisha and his servant, we don't need to get into the whole details, but um, they awake one day to find themselves surrounded by the Syrian army, which, of course, makes Elisha's servant petrified. Mm. And Elisha tries to calm him, and he says to him, because um, the servant is, says, alas, master, what, what shall we do? Like, we don't have a chance, which is how I think many of us feel right now. We just feel like we're surrounded. I mean, whether it's culturally or in the church or in our own family situations or just personally, we feel like, and this is the enemy's temptation, you are outnumbered, you are alone, you are in the corner, and I am going to win. And so we feel, I think, oftentimes like Alicia's servant. But Alicia says to him, don't be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then Alicia prays, and he says, oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. And suddenly the servant's eyes are open and he sees the mountains just filled with the hosts of heaven. And suddenly his anxiety and his fear and his discouragement are shattered. And he begins to realize exactly what Alicia had said. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them, with the enemy. Mm. That's a reality. And the Lord wants us to know that. So Father John, so that's so beautiful. And so for those of us um, who know you well, you you told us a story a set of years ago now about this image that you had of heaven. And as it, it was somewhat akin to um, you using a football game or a football stadium as a metaphor for what you just read. Yeah, there so in my, my, uh, my brothers and sisters who live in Texas, who went to Texas A&M will really appreciate this because they just had a mighty win over Alabama. Uh, this past weekend. And so this happened as I was watching a Texas A&M game for whom I have full disclosure, like no allegiance, although I have a, a niece that went there and, uh, and her husband who went there. So uh, I guess in that way, I'm, uh, I'm attached to them. But I was, uh, I was coming home from mass one day and I sat down and made some dinner. And this was a set of years ago now and turn on the TV. I love college football. And I, um, I, I, open it up, uh, you know, the cable station, and there's Texas A&M playing Nebraska. I'll never forget this. And it was a night game. And so for those of you who have no idea about Texas A&M and uh, just the uh, uh, exuberant crowd that exists there in their stadium called Kyle Field, it's about 102,000 people, I think, seating it. It's a double-decker stadium. And this particular game happened to be what they call a whiteout, which is somewhat of a trend in certain places in the country. So it's a night game, and everybody's dressed in a white shirt. And Texas A&M has a rambunctious crowd. 
And they were again this past weekend. And so it's a two-tiered stadium. And so I'm just eating the bowl of pasta watching the pregame. It wasn't even the game yet. It was the pregame. And they don't have cheerleaders at AM. They have what they call yell yell leaders. leaders. Yeah. Yep. And so their task is to just kind of like whip the crowd into a frenzy. And sure enough, these guys were in a mighty frenzy. And literally, it looked like the stadium was bouncing. It looked like the second deck was bouncing. They hadn't even kicked off yet. So I'm chewing on pasta watching all this. And as I'm watching, I just hear the Lord say to me, um, John, that's heaven. Mm. And I said, what? And he says, that's heaven. And then he... He took me immediately to the, the the letter to the Hebrews in the New Testament where the author says there, since therefore we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us persevere in running the race, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. And he's referring back to the previous chapter, which was this huge testimony on, quote unquote, the hall of faith, if you will, all the great many of the great Old Testament saints. And so the idea that the author gives there is these men and women who so inspired us by their courage, by their faith, by their perseverance, they're now surrounding us as if they're in a stadium. That's the imagery that's often used. There's often athletic imagery used in the, in the New Testament. Paul often uses it, and it's, it's here again in Hebrews. And so I'm watching this pregame and this game, and that's the image the Lord gives me of heaven. So how does that play out? Well, here's how it plays out. Nobody, certainly nobody at the, uh, the Texas A&M-Alabama game this past weekend, nobody goes to a football game in college to watch it. Yeah, there's no composure there. Yeah, you, you go and scream your That's lungs right. out so as to change the, the outcome, outcome right? right? So that change somehow 11 men running around on a field in front of 100 plus thousand people who are screaming and encouraging you and cheering you on, they can do something that those same people like throwing the football around in their backyard in front of mom and dad can't do. Well, that's the saints, the saints aren't watching us. You know, they're not looking down from heaven going, oh, wow, it looks bad down there right now. Mm -hmm. They're cheering us on. You know, um, Father John, I'm, I'm, as I'm listening to you, I'm reflecting on something that my dad said to my mom before my daddy passed away. And so um, he said to my mom, he said, I will be able to do far more for you when I get home to heaven than I can do for you here right now. And that's always stayed with my mom. And in, in, in these days of um, living in uh, just this golden season of life, you know, and, and still mourning, you know, the loss of, of, of my dad, I can't tell you how many times she recounts that to me, knowing that daddy is praying for her, he's praying for us. And that's just not, I mean, that's my dad praying for us that's not all of the saints who are praying for all of us. That's what they do. That's right. That's right. And, you know, and, and that's only to be, under, uh, to be appreciated and to be understood because, I mean, Therese, who we were talking about earlier, I mean, that's what she said, right? I will spend my heaven doing good, good on, on earth. earth. Well, it's not like none of the other saints are doing that. No. That's what they do, right? They worship God. They pray for us. They long for us to join them. And oftentimes, even if we're not calling on them, I don't know if you've had this experience, 
um, sometimes when, even when we don't call on them, they're reaching out to us and they're making their presence known and they're saying, hey, I can help you, right? I can help you. Oftentimes it's been said that we don't choose the saints, they choose us. And you had an experience of that with your dad. Yeah, I did. And, and so just be clear too. I mean, so when, when someone we love dies, right? I mean, so like if I die tonight, like please don't presume I'm in heaven. Right. Pray for me. Obviously, you know? right. Uh, well, maybe not obviously because some people just, I think we automatically canonize everybody. And so, you know, I always encourage people, hey, the most loving thing we can do for someone who's passed away is to pray, pray for them, them right? And, and then to ask, you know, pray for them until they make it abundantly clear they don't that need our there. prayers anymore. And if that never happens, um, then just keep praying for them. And uh, I remember a bishop friend of mine saying, Lord, I'm going to keep praying for my mom after she dies. And if she doesn't need it anymore, then I trust she'll use it somehow. And so I, that's kind of how I am with my mom, my dad, my brother in a special mm-hmm. way. So I'm always praying for them. And then I'm asking them, hey, if you guys can do anything, I could use some help. So one day, shortly after my dad had passed away, I mean, make of this what you will, I'm sitting in the chapel and out of nowhere, I'm not even thinking about my dad. I just hear my dad say to me, um, son, you're not asking me for anywhere near enough help. My dad was my mentor. He was my hero. He used to pick his brains on everything. He was infinitely more intelligent than me. And um, so I kind of went, okay. And then I felt like he just said, I can do so much more for you mm. than you realize. And so it is just with is. all the saints, right? Right. So, you know, I maybe to just bring this to a close, we're, we're drawing close to uh, the celebration of all saints. Right. On the feast of, uh, or on November 1st. The brain fog is still real. I have to tell you that, sorry. Sometimes the synapses don't, <laughs> don't fire. Don't fire. <laughs> so apologies for, for everything that's not correct here. So on this day, with this, with this great feast drawing near, maybe this is a time just, just to really intentionally pray, Lord, give me better vision. You know, like there's a, there used to be a box, maybe it's still there on the back of a driver's license, needs corrective lenses. Oh, that's great. I love this. Like we all need the, like everybody has that box checked, whether you wear glasses or not. Like I need corrective lenses. The world, the spirit of the world, the enemy is constantly trying to tell me the only thing that's real is what you can see. Right here. And I have you outnumbered. And he is a liar. And he knows better. And the truth is, he is outnumbered and overwhelmed, just like uh, was the case with Alicia, Alicia and his servant uh, when their eyes were open. So maybe just ask the Lord, Lord, help me to see, help me to know that you are stronger. Help me to know that those who are with me now are more than those who are against me. And again, as we get closer to that celebration of all saints, just call upon the saints, you know, whether it's your confirmation, uh, the name that you took when you were confirmed, or it's your baptismal name, or those that you have a special devotion uh, and attraction to call upon them and be mindful that they're not watching us. They're cheering us on and helping us to be great right now. A tremendous remedy for discouragement. Amen? Yeah, amen. And, And especially given how we started Let's be deliberate to call upon maybe every day this week our guardian angels, mindful that the Lord in his extraordinary love for us has given 
these majestic creatures to us, to watch over us, to care for us, to intercede for us, to fight for us, uh, and to guide us uh, in this journey that is life. And uh, just to ask them to pray that our eyes might be open to see reality a bit more clearly and that we would not be overwhelmed. And because all this is true, do not be afraid. God, God is with you. You were born for this. 